This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get started with the service. So I'm going to start us with a prayer and then hop right into the service. So please join me in a prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us to breathe. Help us to breathe, and in that breath, help us to do this. Help us to see. Let today be a day of seeing. Let today be a day of awareness in new and different ways about how we can see hope in new ways in these times that feel so incredibly hard and confusing. We welcome your presence here together with us over this next hour. Thank you for being among us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So the, the, the story today continues on with, with Noah's Ark and, and just thinking about the flood. And, and, and even this morning, you know, uh, earlier in the week, they talked about, well, there'll be a vaccine. It'll come out of Oxford. Uh, they're sort of ahead of the game. They're thinking maybe September. And then the next thing I hear is, well, maybe January there's a vaccine. And then this morning, I look on my my phone, which you should never do before church, and, and, and it says, vaccine, we may never have a vaccine. Now, now, which of those is true? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. So as we move forward through this storm, it's important for us to catch, capture glimmers of hope. And these glimmers of hope might be different than what we anticipate. In other words, so much, I'm going to go into this in, in some depth here, so much of, of Glimmer of Hope we talk about is like, give me something out there to hold on to. And today, our goal is this, is to give one another something in here to hold on to. Thinking, yep, of course there's changes and, and, and shifts coming and hopefully vaccines and all that. And what's real important is we always do the work in here as well that gives us hope on the inside, that glimmer of hope. Now, the context, for those of you who aren't, aren't aware of Noah's Ark, it's this beautiful old story in the Old Testament, one of the original stories in the Bible, uh, thousands of years old, story about this great flood. And this flood, as we see it from a new church perspective, is a poetic truth. It did not literally happen. This is not a, a, a history book. And I think you know that right away from the Bible. Um, I know we have some first-time people here joining us today. You know, when you look at the story of Adam and Eve, the first two human beings created, said they had two sons. After they had two sons, it says they got married. That doesn't logically make sense. So they're obviously speaking towards a larger poetic truth, and it's the same here with Noah's Ark. He builds a ship. He brings on this, you know, a representative sample of all the flora, fauna, animals of the world. They all go on to this ship. A flood occurs. All the living things that are left on the earth get destroyed. And the way we would hold that in the new church is all those things that don't serve get sort of wiped out in this flood. And we, we get back to first things first. We get back to being right-sized. We get back to our best selves, that, that Noah self that all of us have. But it's a long process. The storm itself, 40 days, 40 nights of rain, constant. And then after that, there's, there's over 100 days just where the flood is just raging. So there's the flooding and then the flood. 
And they just sit with it. They make their way through on an ark. Something with no steering wheel, no rudder, no compass, no maps, no sails, no oars. Just something that can protect them and help them to float through this really challenging time. And again, so much there, so much wisdom there. And what happens through this journey is this is a journey as many spiritual journeys are. And when you look at really almost any spiritual journey from a 10,000 foot view, it's a journey from our false self to our true self. Who we imagine and want ourselves to be in the eyes of the world and to who we actually are in the eyes of God. And that piece, my friends, should bring a smile. Now, to get us into that place and to understand and to sort of, sort of sit with that humility that's there, that beautiful humility. I'm not talking like that part where we've been, been crushed. I'm talking that, that part that is deeply humble, that part that is right-sized, that part that understands that, that, that in a certain sense, we're not all that important. And, and that right-sizing that occurs, it's a beautiful thing. And we're so fortunate that Marcus and his mom wrote a beautiful song about that. So I want you to listen to that song. He performed it here last week, but I want him to perform it again just to get us into that place of humbleness and humility where we really understand that where I'm weak, actually, that's where I'm strong. Marcus. I love that line that him and his mom wrote about, about Lord, where I am humble, make me strong. And I, and I think that is so much part of this journey. I imagine all of us watching this service right now have been humbled over the last two months in some way, shape, or form. Had to learn to act in some different way. And it's... It's hard. I mean, I want to be so clear about it. It's hard. It's challenging. It's, it's not easy. It's, it's difficult to do. And the next step in this journey is this, this, this from this humble heart, from this humble place, a place that, again, has moved us out of our false self, deeply into our true self. We're getting us closer to that. The self created from all time. The moving away from the chasing the wind up here into the grounding of who we are in God. Today we're going to start to look at, as that process takes place, what is it like, and I say this with a smile, when we start to get the first glimmers of hope. When we look at the storm and we just start to make out land. We just start to see something where we feel like maybe, maybe there's a, there's an end point to this journey. Maybe there's something there. Now, what I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask you to share for yourself, kind of with answering an opening question here, to answer this. What was the glimmer of hope this week for you? And you could be inside or outside, you know, something on the inside at your soul level or something on the outside that you saw. Again, I think we need both. So let's take a look at, at this story and where the first glimmer of hope really is. And it's a beautiful part of the story, a beautiful part to preach on. And, and again, as I've said many times here, one of the wonders, I think, of the Bible is you can't step into the same river twice. In other words, you look at the story and you come back to it. This is a story 
for those of you who've grown up with a Christian tradition, have heard hundreds of times. For those of you who haven't, it may be a first time. But it always yields sort of that, yeah, I hadn't sort of seen that part of it. And that's what I want to talk about today, that part that I've never really seen in this story, because I think it's powerful. And I think it'll resonate with all of us. So here we're taking a look, Genesis 8, chapter 1 through 5. Beautiful piece up here. God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth. Wind is equal to breath and God there. It's a beautiful sort of line there. Wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water had gone down. In other words, it started to recede. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountain of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. Think how long that is. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Again, folks, like mouth those words or say those words out loud with me at home. The tops of the mountains became visible. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Like those tops of the mountains that became visible. Now I want you to, to, to put that in your head for a minute. The flooding is still the reality. There's floodwaters everywhere. It appears that we're still in the midst of this, of this challenge. And yet we see just poking up mountaintops. And I want you to hold that as a glimmer of hope. A glimmer of hope within times that are deeply challenging. That glimmer of hope, as I said, friends, really has a couple of important parts to it that matter a great deal. The glimmer of hope both is out there and in here. That's really important. And, and I want to like chat about this for a minute. There's, there's, there's a danger, a danger, I think, if we just look for hope out there. You can see how that can create, I would imagine, because it certainly does in me, kind of like this frenetic shifting through all the evidence to find the evidence that will make us somehow feel good. Now, it's not saying there isn't evidence out there that makes us feel good, or that there aren't truths out there that help to ground us and get us calm and to help us breathe. And to help us feel we'll all be all right. But I don't think that's the only place where we're to look for hope. I think we're also supposed to look for hope in here. Because there's lots of life circumstances where there aren't necessarily hopeful signs out there, where certain physical things are not going to be true. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other things that can be true because they are always true. And those are the things that are in here, that are inside of us. You folks just have always sent in so many great things here. When I saw people taking charge of their lives, feeling excited about new prospects, that's good. Oh, here's one. My 93-year-old aunt with COVID is holding her own on day 16. Beautiful knowing I have someone and somewhere, all the progress being made to study therapeutics capable of improving COVID outcomes. Our glimmer of hope this week is our family. 
and that our family is taken care of, and that we have each other. Like, let's think about that, folks. The glimmer of hope that we have each other. Mm. The beautiful dogwoods outside our front window. Understanding that this path might have been good, I could continue without pain. The unemployment check came through. That's good. This is a beautiful one from Scott. My glimmer of hope this week was the kindness all around me. Hugging my grandkids. Having our pool almost ready to fill. Being outside with flowers and grass. The number of cases decreasing in our county. Zoom groups at New Church Live. Great connections that are growing among us. I want to say that's why we do these groups, folks. Warmth and buds popping out with such great fragrance, showing life. The beaches opened up, great waves, and acceptance and calmness. And there's some other ones, too, that I'll share. Folks, those, those are just so significant, right? It was emailing someone this morning. It's, it's, it's a different view of this word witnessing. Again, I had sort of thought of, of, you know, you hear the phrase Christian witness. I'm not a big fan of that phrase because I, I think for a lot of people, that phrase, when someone says, I want to share my Christian witness with you, it's, it, it can be sort of like, I want to tell you why you have to believe exactly how I believe. I don't think that's it. I think Christian witness is much more about this is how we can see the world. From the beauty of a budding dogwood tree, to a 93-year-old saying, you're not getting me. To, to any number of these things, like, like that's, that's what we're talking about here, folks. This very different kind of witness. That glimmer of hope. Now, when these mountains become visible, again, in the New Church, we read this stuff poetically. This is a piece of New Church theology talking about how that, what that means, you know, sort of at a deeper poetic level. Manuel Swedenborg writes, the mountains became visible. What does that mean? The good coming out of love. Again, that person who said kindness, that's what that's talking about. In this beautiful line here, I love this. It's just a bit of light. It's just a bit of light. I want to talk about that bit of light and, and how that works in our lives uh, and, and what that means. I'm going to come over here and sit down over here to talk about that. That bit of light, brothers and sisters, this is a, a beautiful line from the Sermon on the Mount, from Mount, Matthew 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, now we've probably heard that a hundred times. Uh, if, if we were raised in the Christian tradition, for those of you not, it's sure the first time you've heard it, but it's a beautiful idea. Let's, let's think about that for a minute. And this is, take a note on your phone or write this down. I think this is really important. The eye is the lamp of the body. Your eye is your lamp. Now, now you think about how most people would have held light at that time. They would have held it the exact same way we hold it. You know, we would have seen it as, as like this lamp thing, as this thing that we're holding out here. A light that's outside of us that helps our eye to see. Now, you have to see how brilliant it is what Jesus is saying here. 
Jesus is saying, no, that you're not holding a lamp out there. It's not something external from you. It's actually something internal to you. That your eye actually is the light. That, that when we, when we understand that, that, that our eye gets filled with light, that's what we see from the kindnesses to the dogwoods. From the kindnesses to the dogwoods. Our eyes filled with light. I think that's so much what, what God is asking us to do. And, and this is really important. This is like, like a key spiritual concept. It's, it's critical. It's one of those ones that, that um, you know, I, I'm sure I don't talk about enough, but it's so important. There are two things. There's what we see. And my friends, there is how we see. There is what we see, and there is how we see. Out of those two, it's obvious what Jesus is talking about here. He clearly is saying, pay attention to how you see. And the answer to how you see, as he would say it, is see with light. That light within. This what we see, folks, you know, it's, isn't it fascinating, right? You can take five people from five different perspectives, you can show them one thing, and you end up with five different ways of seeing it. Five different people saying five different things. Oh, this is what I actually saw. Now, if there was that clear objective reality that this is all good or this is all bad, that what we see had its firm definition to it, you take those five people, they would all be seeing and reporting on the same thing. And you know that's not the way it works. You know that's not the way it works. I mean, I think about families, right? And, and a lot of families, you know, probably have done a puzzle or a game. Maybe not, but we'll just say some of you have done a puzzle or a game. I guarantee you're going to talk to your kids 10 years down the road, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, remember quarantine? And one of your kids would go, oh, it was so fun. We played games every night. And your other child will go like, I have hated games since the quarantine. I don't ever want to play a board game again. The same objective reality, but two different ways of seeing how we see what we see. Pay attention, brothers and sisters, to what we see, but think more importantly about how we see it. Go to that higher place. Now I'm going to step back over here to continue talking about this because I think it's, I think it's so incredibly important. So when we look at that, how we see, like how do we actually go about that? How does that work in our lives? For that idea, for, the, for our eye to be the lamp of the body, for our eye to become our lamp, what does that mean? How does that look? Well, the first place is to start here. And again, I say this, this is one I do preach on a lot at New Church Live. So my apologies for repetition, but it's repetition I think that is critical. Faith is the eye of love. That's where we have to start. Faith is the eye of love. 
What that means is this, that that new glimmer, the first glimmer, doesn't grow out of knowledge, doesn't grow out of head things, doesn't grow out of doctrine, but it grows out of charity. And there you could use the word generosity. It grows out of generosity. Not from this deep knowledge, but from something far different. A generosity, a heart space. A beautiful part of this story. In the midst of the storm, God says, no, I want you to go up, I want you to open up the window. And now, now the ark, again, the ark is a poetic thing. It's, 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 a, symbol, it's a symbol of our brains and, and, you know, that going up, so goes up to this higher place, opens up a window out there onto the storm. And with the ark, there was only one window. And he opens that one window. And what do we believe that pictures? The eye of love. That as the storm rages, howls, batters us, about all we can do is to muster our strength to open that window, pay attention to how we see, pay attention to your eye is your light, and look out there into the world, understanding faith is the eye of love. Faith is the eye of love. It allows us to understand in new ways Jim Wallace's beautiful quote, the believe in spite of the evidence and watch the evidence change. Believe in spite of the evidence and watch the evidence change. So we start there. Number one, we start there with the eye of love. And the second part, folks, is that we learn to see the whole journey. We learn to see the whole thing, to see it in its totality, because that enables us to, again, hold the whole thing. Glass, broken, shared. Say that all the time. But it's so important. It allows us to hold the whole thing. That's what we have to learn to do. Brene Brown beautifully put it this way. A crisis highlights all of our fault lines. We can pretend that we have nothing to learn or we can take the opportunity to own the truth and make a better future for ourselves and others. And I love that idea, owning the truth. It's not shying away from the hard truths, which we are facing right now. But in facing that, it allows us to make a better future for ourselves and others, to do that inside work. So what is that invitation? I'm going to show you a chart, and this is courtesy of my good friend Jenny Child. She had put this up on Facebook, and I thought, oh my goodness, does this preach. So I'd ask you again, as you see these circles, please take a screenshot of it and just play around with it a little bit because I think it's so important and contains great, great, great wisdom. So as we take a look at this, we have to ask, what is the invitation here? What is the invitation here? Now I want to say, with all of this, it's important to see that we're holding the whole. It's not saying this part's bad, this part's good. It's saying there are different parts. We have to hold the whole. There's that initial fear zone. 
I spread emotions to feel an anger. I complain frequently. That fear place, which a lot of us can be in. And, and folks, I don't think like we get done with a phase like fear and we're just done. I'm sure I will hit the fear zone sometime today. I am sure you will hit the fear zone sometime today as well. The question is, where do we live? So we want to take that fear zone. I spread emotion related to fear. I complain frequently. We start to move that into the learning zone. Identify my emotions. I become aware of the situation and think how to act. I evaluate information before spreading something false. I recognize we are all trying to do our best. That's where we start to learn. And that includes learning about our fears. Every stage, one step step greater, but including the one before. Transcend and include. And then the growth zone. So, so what's the invitation? Is the invitation to my fears, to learning, or to growth? Or I should say, and to growth. Now, the growth zone is where we're empathetic with myself and with others. Sympathy is different. Sympathy joins someone in emotion. Empathy is where I understand someone's emotion. It doesn't mean that I'm the bouncing ball following them up and down. It means that I get it. I get how hard a day they're having, and they get when I'm having a hard day. I thank and appreciate others. I keep a happy emotional state, and I spread hope. Greater hope, glimmer of hope. Now, folks, what I would ask you to do, again, it's a great conversation to have, is take a screenshot of that. Print it out and just go through with a highlighter and and highlight the ones that are true for you today. There's a great conversation. Where are you in the fear zone? Where are you in the learning zone? Where are you in the growth zone? And notice that there's an invitation there. Now, folks, it's easy to look at that and to say, well, where's God in that? And at a certain level, it's easy to go, well, God's at the growth part of it. But I'd ask you to take a look at it again. And to see this, God's the white paper that it's all written on. God's that piece that actually holds the entire thing. And so we have to hold that journey. And and think of this, like in its simplest form. From complaint to gratitude, there's a real simple shift right there. I mean, maybe that's your takeaway today. Don't complain, be grateful. Figure out some way, text, write, whatever. Complaints to gratitude. Movement from anxiety, and I use these two words very deliberately, to grounded change. It's not change that's chasing after the wind or or worried about addressing the latest worry. It's, It's grounded, but it's understanding the change that can happen from a very grounded place. And folks, all we're talking about here is the journey from the flood to starting to see the mountains. That's the invitation. From just seeing the flood to starting to see the mountaintops. So, we look with the eye of love. Faith is the eye of love. That's the first. The second is we start to see the journey. The third, we start to hold on to a larger hope out there in life. 
And that one there, hold on to a larger hope, a greater hope, a greater hope. That idea right here, a first glimmer, a larger hope, a greater hope. If we sit with a humble prayer for posture, excuse me, we can name our anxieties. Again, it's not about saying we don't have those fears, folks. We do. Name them. And then gently move towards a larger hope. That gentleness, that learning, it comes when we move towards that growth place, understanding a larger hope in a much, much deeper way. The mountains, folks, and again, great conversation for you to have, is, is then we start to see the mountains inside of us. And we stop frantically searching the news for that needle in a haystack that will somehow erase all our anxieties. I don't know that it's there. But I definitely know. In your heart, it's there. The mountains were always present. They just weren't always seen. The mountains were always present. They just weren't always seen. And we can see them. We can find them inside, and we can find that stirring in our heart. Sometimes we find it through very funny things, like I found this New Yorker cartoon to be particularly humorous. It's a man with his dog. For those of you who are just listening, it's a man with his dog. They're sitting on the couch. They're looking outside at a guy walking past his fence with a, with a face mask on, and it's, the guy turns to his dog, and he says, Until now, I never understood why you got so excited when someone walked past the house. you got to love that. We see that in that humor, in that, in that smile. Again, if, if, if all your life is, 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 is serious and if all it is is drudgery, you're maybe missing part of God's message there. That's one of the signs and symbols. If your religion, brothers and sisters, is making you miserable, you have a leak in your religion. If your religion is making you miserable, you have a leak in your religion somewhere. So we smile when we see those things, and, and I can, again, like looking at that, like it stirs in my heart. It's, it's something in here. It's a greater hope that's in here. I also got to experience it personally just a little bit last week. After church, I hopped on a call with a couple of young couples who watch us from way out in Phoenix, Arizona. Just chit-chatting, getting them to connect each other. Turns out both couples are big fans of Chicago deep dish pizza. Who knew? And there is a place in Phoenix that can cater to that very need. Just that simple connection. Again, not, not finding that solution per se, but just that, that beautiful growth zone of just connecting with other people. And then the other one. I think so important. We learn to witness those who may not have stopped the storm, but who have stilled it. I want to say that again. This is really important, folks. I tell you to take a little note on this. We witness those who may not have stopped the storm, but have stilled it. Here's one 
I want to talk about, and I want it to resonate, or I hope that it resonates with all of us, because I think it sure has resonated with a large number of us. Over the past month here at New Church Live, we've done two memorial services for two beautiful souls, Carrie and Karn. Now, for those of you who, who are tuning in for the first time or just online, you've never met these people, you know, they're just, they got it. Both of them totally got it. Both of them passed several weeks apart. They didn't know each other, but they shared, you know, doing, doing both memorial services were definitely some shared parts of the experience working with both of them, with Carrie and with Carm. They had both in some way stilled the storm. Now, what I mean from that is, is both of them struggled with cancer. Neither of them obviously beat the disease. They didn't stop the storm. The storm, if one just defines it as cancer, took their lives. That storm was not stopped. But here's the amazing part, folks. That's not where their attention was. Nor should it be where our attention is per se. We want to do our best. Obviously, we want to work hard. Obviously, we understand that life is challenging and broken. And how can we find the work towards, towards fixing the broken parts as God gives us to see it? And knowing it's hard to stop a storm. It's hard to stop a storm. But if we pull into here, it's entirely possible to still the storm. And both of them did. Both of them clearly. Anguish, despair, absolutely. But both of them held a greater hope. It was filled with a lot of peace and definitely a lot of joy. I want to share with you a short video here. It's a short video clip for those of you who were watching Karin's funeral last week. Uh, you know we're going to use one of, one of the clips from that. Uh, again, and I, I want to put this out there. I know that if you're watching for the first time, it's, it's a little odd when I talk about a specific parishioner uh, because, you, again, you may not have known them. But just, just think about somebody in your life who you really look up to. You really feel like they just, they just get it because that's the way these, these two people were. Now, the context of this, of this little clip you're going to see is two months ago at New Church Live, we did a service called Stone Soup. And what that service was, I, you know, I just thought, ah, let's try something a little different, try to get, you know, just hear from some different people so we don't get, you know, support not to be in a rut to try different things. So I said, anybody who'd like to volunteer, we're going to show up early, 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 early on a Sunday morning. Literally, I'm going to walk in a room, I'm not going to have anything planned, and we're going to plan it from there on out, down to the service, down to the music, down to literally people making stone soup, literally making soup after the service. Stone soup is just where you just take a collection of stuff, put it all together, and, and that somehow we would just sort of watch as God kind of wove all the pieces together. Karn was super excited about this, volunteered to be on the music team, and then she came in early on a Sunday morning. One of the songs they came up with was James Brown, I Feel Good. James Brown, I Feel Good. A good song. We all know it. And this is how Karen closed that song. Take a look. 
So the beauty of that, folks, is this. Like, Karen, you know, and her singing there, this is what I didn't know. So two months ago, right here, she sang that song. Also sang James Brown's song. She sang that song. And what she didn't tell me was that Friday, she had found out her cancer was back. That wasn't the story for her that weekend. So something she wanted to do badly, to perform here, to sing, to share a gift of song. And then on Monday, make the decision to tell her family that the cancer was back. That's somebody, I think, who understands why there are times when we can't stop the storm. Most importantly, with God's help, with the Lord's holding, we can absolutely still it. And what do those people leave us with? Well, I think they leave us with these little mountaintops. We can just see these, these little glimmers of hope. But it's not a hope that's, again, out there. And I don't want to disparage, like, out there, like, the hopes out there are important, right? But it's a hope that is more deeply embedded in here, where our eye becomes light, our eye becomes our lamp. We're seeing now in a different way. And it's a way that's much better able to deal with whatever those external circumstances are. Because we're not looking for a certain geography out there. We're allowing the Lord to help us discover a new geography in here. And that new geography can never be taken away. It can never be destroyed. It just is. So, friends... Let's have a week where we really work at seeing faith. Faith is the eye of love. Where we really work at seeing the journey. Like, see those circles. Figure out where you are. Have a conversation, knowing that you're going to be in all three just within a few hours of this sermon. Asking yourself, what's the invitation there? Again, I guarantee you, God's invitation is never, never going to be your fears. I'll just say that unequivocally. It's going to be what you love. And then the third step, hold on to that greater hope. Allow it to get inside your life. And, and, and from the new church, what do we believe can we can find there? Well, here's a beautiful line. A spiritual person, someone who gets it, who gets there. This is such a beautiful line. Manuel Swedenborg calls it a holy restfulness. Isn't that Interesting. A new glimmer. And those two are used side by side. A holy restfulness, a new glimmer. They're used side by side by him, which I love that idea. We're restful because we're starting to see something. We don't see it in total. I don't think we ever do. But we get these glimmers. Let's live there. And the last line is how I would maybe capture it. We're lit up by a simple, 
generous, giving spirit. It's simple. It's not complicated. It's generous because it's outward looking. And it's not looking at what we're getting. It's looking at what we're giving. When that happens, folks, when we hit that holy restfulness, that new glimmer, that generosity of spirit, take a breath here. Listen to this line. The mountains became visible. The mountaintops become visible. Let's live there this week, my friends. Amen. Now I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then we're going to close with another beautiful song. Again, these songs are taped from previous services. We sure do appreciate all the musicians who've worked hard to give us this gift of song over the years. So please join me. Lord, today, help us to find as best we can new glimmers of hope. Understanding, Lord, that again, there are those glimmers that will be outside of us. Allow us to witness those. And, Lord, allow us to find those new glimmers of hope within. Maybe even seeing the two together, to see in that budding of a dogwood tree, to, to think about what is, being, what is growing in our heart, what is being touched in our heart. How is that growing? How is that moving forward? What love is being kindled? Help us to find as well, Lord, just that, that hope inside that may not have anything to do with external circumstances. An internal lamp that we carry with us through all time, that we carry with us through all challenges, that we carry with us, that we carry with us through all storms. That we carry with us through all storms. Help us to know that, and with a smile to know that we know that. Help us to give voice to it, to give song to it, to give rise to it, to give love to it. Be with us, Lord, over this week ahead. Your prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Wishing everyone just a beautiful week ahead. Enjoy this last dawn and stay safe, my friends. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 